welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for December. Jingle, 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 jingle. Um, because it's the end of the year and uh, at the end of the year, whether you've been on the naughty list or the nice list, you always get a nice little treat. So um, <laughs> this is only because we've had to reschedule so many times that it's now this close to Christmas. But <laughs> joining... I'm going to go look it up. When was our first... I don't, when did we first I don't plan even this? want to even talk about it because, um, you know, if if we were a pizza or try to make a pizza, I'd be bringing the base and the the cheese and Patrick Leader, he'd be bringing the hot tomato sauce and it might be asymmetrical, the ingredients that we're bringing, but in the end you'd have a, you'd have a fantastic pizza. I don't know if he looks like the type of guy who's going to bring some pineapple. You look like you're going to bring some pineapple. He's not... I love pineapple and pizza. <laughs> yeah, so join him. Uh, to our credit, we it's been under a month. Well, that's not bad then. Just, no, it's not. I've bad. done worse. I've done better. So may I add some color commentary at this point? <laughs> we're, we're not wizards is one of my favorite expressions. Uh, or I'm not a wizard. I say it to my daughter. Oh, right, okay. When she's like, when she's like, why isn't X done? And I'm like, because I'm not a wizard. Like, I haven't, I haven't done it in the three seconds we were talking about it. So, so. this is, this is almost um, like fate. You can actually tell yeah, your daughter and then that if, you've now been on the podcast, which is specifically. And I'm still not, a, still wizard. not a wizard. This is amazing. This is... I, I, uh, when it popped up on my calendar, I was like, <laughs> what the heck are we doing today? And at 204? <laughs> so. Yeah, just putting ra- random anyway. times. Just to mess with people's heads. Um, I guess we better say hello to everybody who's out there because if you're joining us for the first time, thanks for joining us. The reason that we do this is because we're on an ongoing mission just like the Starship Enterprise to interview and speak to as many people who are involved in the tabletop hobby as possible. And the second reason is that um, I have been playing Root quite a little bit since it kind of landed on my doorstep so when you play a route and you get the opportunity to speak to you know one of the principal people behind it you have to you have to take that opportunity to speak to them so uh, we're very excited to have to have Patrick on the show um what we like to do is we like to find out a little bit about your your past um going as far back as you want to or as as not as the case may be but do you want to tell us um kind of a little bit about how you got into the hobby i'm moving my microphone because we're on camera and it's quite rude if you can't see me (laughs) it's all good uh yeah so i um i had an older brother who played dungeons and dragons back in the 80s um and i he and i we're a bit years, of, uh, like five years mm-hmm. apart, four years apart, and so I didn't play with him because I would have been, now we could, but back then we mm-hmm. couldn't. And I would steal his books at night and read them, or during the day when he wasn't there and read them, or whatever. Um, and eventually he got out of it, and I took his set over and started playing myself. We moved to Minnesota. There's a lot more kids my age in my neighborhood able to play D&D, so I played D&D with mm-hmm. them and got into it that way you know that's not the board game part but that's that's it i had a friend who uh lived on the side of town and he owned like titan and cosmic encounter oh no i own cosmic encounter he had titan and a couple other board games and um kind of got into like board games beyond 
you know, kind of the the run of the mill stuff. He had Survive also, which got a lovely reprint in the last yeah. ten years. And uh, and so yeah, I just kind of started trucking along from there. Uh, one day while shopping for role playing stuff at a, a store, we had to, we'd have to drive ninety minutes to get to a game store because mm-hmm. I lived in rural Minnesota. Uh, one day while shopping at a store, I picked up Cosmic Encounter on a whim and brought it home, and uh, that was really my first like hobby board game that I really got into. And um, it was pretty. And I played some diplomacy too. And I really got into Cosmic. Probably played it. I don't know, 300, 400 wow. times my, my junior and senior year of high school. So, uh, between the two. Um, is it, I mean, everybody, I mean, everybody talks about it as kind of like the darling of the board games. I know John Gilmore talks about it all the time, how it's one of the favourite games yeah. he's ever played. And it's because of, he says, yeah, the base game, like everything, it's, it's, it's still good. But it's when you get all the different right. factions and all the different kind of additions and stuff like that. Did you, did you kind of, was it one of these things you kind of like had pocket money or something so you would or paper round money or something you'd go out and buy yourself an expansion to kind of cosmic encounter did you end up with every single thing that was available so it was the mayfair edition and it only had for a long time it only had one uh thing which was just called more cosmic encounter and then a year or two later it was you know because back then like a year passing felt like a much long you know much much yeah. longer so we played the heck out of it, and then by the time the expansion came out, we were almost like, eh. whereas now I'm like, all right, cool, well, you know, I'll buy it now. So uh, I think there was an even more cosmic encounter for Mayfair or something like that, but I can't really remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they did sell uh, Mayfair did sell blank um, like components, yeah. like so you could get cards for the deck and stuff like that. And so we bought those and were made up a whole bunch of our own powers. That was mostly my friend uh, who got me into game design. Uh, we worked on it together, and and uh, or he worked on it, and I just helped him a little bit. So, um, so fast fast forward a couple of years, post college, like ninety seven, ninety eight. I was uh, a friend of mine brought went to um, Austria and brought home a copy of uh, Settlers in German, right. and taught us how to play it. And I actually was pretty adept at reading german for a right. year um <laughs> yeah because because we had to pick what it up happened? back then <laughs> and uh and it's like one of those things you had so an accident played... you banged your head and you went oh, i can read german now oh. yeah yeah don't ask me to do it now but i got through the book uh the settlers of guitar yeah. book you know with heavily depending on uh, um a dictionary yeah. of course and uh, plowed through it and played that. And then um, uh, the same friend, um, not the Austrian friend, but the, the same friend that uh, I played Cosmic Encounter with back then. Like in 2000, he was visiting me um, on vacation. I lived in Denver then, and he lived in Minneapolis, where I live now. And uh, he flew over and visited me, and like he was like, I'm going to make a game this week. And I was like, all right, <laughs> cool. And so we made a game, and... And I was like, oh, wow, that really wasn't as bad as I thought. So I, I've actually been designing off and on since 2001. Um, what did you do at college? I studied psychology, and, um, and I got a job as a programmer because I had a minor in computer science out of college. So I was programming that whole time. So. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, I mean, how did you get... Well, the first kind of couple of games that you put together that you designed, were they kind of... Mm-hmm traditional this is your powers this is what you do i mean was messing around with cosmic encounter was having the different powers of different factions is that kind of in your dna of game design when you were first looking at games was it was it something that helped kind of form to say well why should everybody that's sitting around the table be exactly the same because usually 
if I play a game like I was, if you play like a dungeon crawl, you've kind yeah. of, you've always got to move and attack. Do you know what I mean? You've, right. You, you move forward four spaces or you move yeah, forward yeah. six spaces or you've got a magical ranged attack or you've got a ranged attack or you've got a melee attack. But... Or you, you sing or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, was... I mean, did Cosmic Encounter help you kind of see, well, actually, was it, is it something that's kind of, you could look back and say, well, that's why Vast is the way it is. That is why, kind of, no. No, no. No, unfortunately. Nothing that yeah. cool. Uh, most of the early games I designed, I was fascinated by variable player mm-hmm. power and having a different mechanism for each system in the mm-hmm. game. Um, and, and the way that you interacts or the rate that you interact with those mechanisms is what causes the asymmetry between the the players um one of my earliest games i designed um was uh an economic game where everybody starts out in a different segment of like the economy so like one player's industry Mm -hmm. one player's retail one player's logistics and 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 so you have to work together, like, so instead of, like, because I was playing a lot of Puerto Rico when I designed it, and I was like, instead of having everyone start out kind of the same yeah. footing, you actually start on very different footing, and then you as a player decide if you want to grow towards the other players to compete with them, or to continue specializing your field to have an absolute control over over that field. And um, so that's that's kind of where, where some of that comes from. But really where it came from is when... I met David Somerville yeah. um, in 2014, who was the original designer of Vast when it was a game called Trove, and um, he he just opened my eyes to like I was like oh wow and I you know, of course I already played Netrunner so I was aware of you know because I played Netrunner back in like 2001 yeah. or 2002 yeah. the original the original Netrunner and so I was aware of the concept but I, I thought it was only going to be able to work two player like Netrunner yeah. does. And then I saw him doing it with four factions, and I was like, oh, boy, this is awesome. <laughs> um, he didn't want to publish the game with me at first, and so I started designing my own um, uh, asymmetric game with his help. Like, he came in and taught me his techniques. Was for, he, wanted to, keep, was he wanted to keep Trove as his own kind of baby that he was going to kind of self-publish and kind of release to the masses about <laughs> that, that, what he was wanting to do? Well, at that point, I'd only had a $3,500 Kickstarter. All right. And I offered to publish it, and he's like, "Well, I think I'm gonna go talk to some larger publishers <laughs> first. And so he, so he did that, and then um, I helped him. I helped his pitches. Yeah. I helped him write pitches. I helped him um, communicate with them, and I, I told I even told him a couple of publishers to talk to. And um, it just took them too long to respond, and he wanted to get it taken care of. So he came back to me and eventually said, "Of the small publishers that have contacted me, you're the you've been the nicest, and so I'm going to work with you." Um, did did uh, you say to him, "No, I want I, that's that's so, not good enough. I want you know, I want a little bit of begging here." <laughs> you know, just... no, no, not, nothing. I like that happened. I, I tell you though, the moment I found out what was going to happen, I it was like eleven at night, and I went to bed early for some yeah. reason, and. Um, I came downstairs and I was, I was, I picked up my phone. I was like, oh, there's a message on my phone. So I was reading it. I came downstairs for water or something. And I, like, my heart started beating so hard. I thought, like, this is it. I'm going to have a heart attack. They're going to find me dead reading my phone tomorrow morning. Um, I had to, like, stable myself and sit down for because I was so excited. Because um, I knew it was going to be life-changing. And sure enough, it, it was life-changing. So, um and, you know, we, he worked on it for a little while, but I mostly took over after a while. Um, there were some issues, health issues in his family. Right. And then, um, you know, we had a little, we had some rough spots. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> but we're no, better now. No. Um, 
I'm the first backer of his last two Kickstarters, so I think that I, th- I hope that proves to people that I really like him. <laughs> but then so. I think I've spoken to people before who have gone down, who have been published, and I know it's sometimes difficult mm-hmm. for you to say um, to let go of your baby because you know mm-hmm. somebody puts a piece of cardboard on the table, but what they don't see is they don't see the 150 hours I've been working on this thing you're giving me feedback and I've tried this 72 times and it doesn't work, but then you want to go ahead and change. And I think it's sometimes difficult if it's your creation to let, to, to trust somebody who might necessarily have right. a slightly different vision to go ahead and deliver kind of what you wanted. I mean, is, is what ended up on the table with vast? Is that, I was going to say, is that vastly different, but then shoot me now. But is, is, <laughs> is that different from, the original kind of um, concept that kind of David brought to you, or did have you managed to maintain that kind of the, the heart and soul behind it? I think we maintained a lot of it. Um, his goblins were considerably different. The goblins went through yeah. like I don't know, probably like seven, eight, maybe even nine like big version changes mm. before we hit upon the goblins that are there now. And honestly, it was always about just making them simpler to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and his goblins in the very first draft, I think, were probably the most playable. And then what he gave me, there were some issues with it. And I think it may have just been like a version control issue. Like he didn't hand me the right rules that match the components. Right. And I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't know how to fix it. So I fixed it my own way. But then every time we like brought it to a show and showed people the goblins, we'd just be like, Oh my God! No one's getting how to play this, and we have to keep we have to keep making it simpler and simpler until until we get down to that. I've I've always wondered though if we could have gone to his original model and maybe gotten it to work, but um, here we are. Um, but no, I think it, I think it's pretty faithful. His game was considerably swinginger, and he to him that was fine. He was a new designer, and he he thought that like, and he, he you know he'll he'll fess up to this if you ask him like this. He was like yeah. That's, that's what I wanted. But, like, if the night went from, like, first to last in, in one yeah. turn, that wasn't, like, that wasn't a big deal to him. And to me, I kind of, uh, like, I was like, I, I'm already having to sell people in the asymmetry. I can't also sell. It's also a swingy game, yeah. you know, as a new concept. Like, yeah, so <laughs> I I, uh, I I had to back up on that one. I think the mechanics as they are now allow for a lot more of um, forethought and planning than than what what he turned over to me so he he likes it a lot he's he's told he's played it and told me that um you know he likes he likes being brought forward into kind of the modern design era so it was good when um when vast came out um there was a lot of people were calling it genre defining people were Mm -hmm. saying it like it, it took expected kind of mechanics and completely turned it on its head i mean were you surprised at the kind of the the feedback that you kind of go, or were you just kind of like, well, yeah, I know, I know it's cool. <laughs> oh yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, I actually did feel like we were kind of on something when when uh, when uh, he brought it to me. I remember we were working on it. I thought this was going to be kind of different. Um, yeah, I think in game design, you're kind of looking, um, especially you know, I mean, game, game design versus game publishing, you know, which is a much more business oriented yeah. task. Um, I feel like you're looking, so you're, you know, you're either going to get, there's two things that are going to happen. You either get the, uh, you get the game that incrementally improves on the concepts of the previous yeah. game, you know, like that, that, that was designed. And I, you know, you see that with like Uwe with like worker placement, like he's, he keeps making worker placement games and they're beautiful and well-designed and well thought out. But 
Um, but then you also like you look for like the kind of the genre shifting moments, like when Dominion came out. Yeah. And I don't know if there had been a deck builder before Dominion, but to, but it really defined and brought to Dimin- uh, ah, Dominion building. It really brought deck building into the forefront and and Ticket to Ride. Clearly, it had been Rummy style games of collecting sets and, and playing and playing cards for points, mm-hmm. but. Um, I think Ticket to Ride really put it on the map and combined to like, you know, like the shortest path to, versus, um, and brought those two concepts together, the, the, pa- the pathfinding with the, uh, with the Remy style gameplay, um, into a very simple package that was easy to teach. And I, I'm not going to say Vast was easy to teach, but, um, the, I mean, that, that I did, I had a feeling that we were onto something new that way when we were doing it. Now, you know, like Jamie Stugmire in, in, in his podcast was like, well, it's a great idea. I don't, and I wanted to play it to see if this is where I was going next as a publisher. Yeah. I don't think it's a good idea because basically your, you know, your rules overhead on teaching the game is going up by a factor of three or four, depending on how many people are playing. So, uh, which is kind of the antithesis of his his model of, of how to market a game. So, yeah, I mean, what was the what's the what's the playtesting like? You know, I mean, is it is it a big? I mean, okay, from my experience in playing Root. Mm-hmm. I've played Root mm-hmm. six, seven times now, if not more. That's that's two more than I have. And um, the asymmetry is something that I've I've played with every faction except the. Um, I played the Woodland Alliance is my favorite. Um, right. And I've not played with the Vagabond, um, but I've noticed already that even in those games that we played, the kind of the. The way the game kind of can play out and does play out is ending up being kind of completely different. I mean, how do you even begin to start playtesting something like that? I mean, is it do you do you playtest with a small group but continuously, or do you try and push it out to as many people as possible? Because it's I'll be honest with you, we probably got into game maybe three three and a half, and there was still a couple of rules that were kind of clicking with us. Um, right, you know, um, I think the the main one that I ended up looking for was, do you lose your victory points if you put something back after it's destroyed, kind of thing, and it's like no, kind of thing, yeah, oh yeah, and that was a that was a kind of a oh, but no, as I say, my question was, you know, in terms of the playtesting, did you keep focus within a group that was repeatedly playing it, or did you try and spread it as wide as possible? So there was two sorts of things going on for Vast, and one of them, one of the things that attracted me to the game, in addition to how wonderful it was, was um, David had really did a good job of building an online community mm. that supported the testing and the development. Like a lot of people were reading the rules and talking about the rules when I got there, mm. and uh, and I kind of kept that tradition alive. And that's frankly why, as a company, I try like. I've published the crows and the moles, which are the two new factions for for yeah. like to the internet. You could download it and start playing it right now if you yeah. wanted to. And so, so you did all that discussion out in front, and I th- there was a lot of people testing before yeah. I got on board. And as I as I developed new versions, there was people testing with us, and that was good because I always had a good sense of like what like was challenging to people i didn't learn a lot from the playtest in terms of like oh this you know the dragon needs to do x but i did still learn like oh well you know this this is a problem or if there's a hot spot we could see those problems mm-hmm. uh, but yeah i primarily did i formed two groups i cannibalized my wednesday uh board game group uh to play test and i used my saturday group which is normally plays role-playing games 
I would use them when I was getting towards a milestone. I'd switch them over to playing Vass with me. And um, believe it or not, Work Group actually could play two games in an evening because we got so good at it. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, a lot of playtests. I probably, I make, my hunch is I played um, 300, 400 games before I got to uh, publication. I, when I first started playtesting, I played it five times in 48 hours wow. um, to kind of get a sense of the flow of the game. Uh, before I started rewriting the rules, um, so a lot of that, and then I, at the time, I was working um, as a software developer, and I kind of got in the habit of like making really rapid changes, and then freezing it, and testing that, and then making really rapid changes and freezing it. So I probably didn't follow a traditional style of slowly chiseling on the rules like some people yeah. do, and uh, which was risky. I mean, we could have definitely found like not found a problem with the, with the game. Uh, when they, when people are, um, now that people are playing it, but it's been okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the same the same with Root. We uh, in the studio now. I have a studio, so we had the same three or four people play testing, and we would um, we kind of nominated people to be a certain role for the play testing process. So about half your games we were expecting to play. Uh-huh. I was the vagabond, uh, so about half the games um, that we played in studio, I played as a vagabond. And that, that that gave me perspective as it changed. I could talk about like what, what my concerns were about the other roles as they changed. Yeah. And as my role changed, I could talk about that too. Okay, so. okay. Because the, yeah. the thing about Vast is that you are, it's completely, as we said earlier, it's not a case that you are just doing one or two movements. I mean, in Vast, you're like, you go, okay, I'm the knight. Okay, I'm going around, I'm, I need to collect treasure. And then it's a case, but you're also, a, somebody can be a dragon. And what does the dragon want to do? It's like, well, dragon kind of wants to wake up and get out. And then it's like, but you can also be the cave. And it's like, well, what's the cave going to do? Well, the cave wants to kill everybody by collapsing. And then it's like, well, what's the thief? Well, the thief wants to go around nicking stuff. And then there's the goblins. What do the goblins want to do? They just want to be, you know, difficult. You know, they just want to be absolutely difficult. Um, I mean, for anybody that's looked at, you know, for anybody that's looked at vast... um, is there is there any factions you always recommend people would start with? I mean, I know you've put them kind of in the in the rules. I mean, how would you what would you recommend to somebody that's play tested it for so far if somebody's kinda of like starting out in it? Oh, I definitely recommend the Knight and the Dragon. They're kind of the most straightforward it and like kind of having an action economy uh-huh. that, that you know, moves you around or you know, and then you have the most straightforward like I just have to Get, get strong and kill the dragon. I just have to get strong and get out alive. Um, I think they're the. I think they're probably the easiest to pick up as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the goblins. Uh, my home group started calling me the Goblin Whisperer and prevented. They said I couldn't play them anymore <laughs> um, during testing. So, um, but I do. I do acknowledge that there's some complexity to setting up their attacks well. So, um, um, yeah. If I if I'm playing the goblins with you in a cat like in a pickup game at a convention or something. Yeah. And I don't play on harder expert. You should like probably throw me out of the convention. <laughs> um, so, because that's just mean of me. Like that would be, that's just cruel. And I, I have even on expert, I've I've uh, I've beaten groups at conventions. Have you not thought about walking about with a disguise on so you could like sneak into games yeah. and say, oh, what's this game about? 
Va- va- vast? I've never heard of it before. <laughs> I've never. Should we make it interesting? Perhaps we could play for some money. Exactly. Um, I've got a Benjamin Franklin here that says you can't beat me. Oh, yeah. Oh, what? I sat down. I did sat down and pax you for a game of root, and then I was like, "Oh, I'll play the vagabond." <laughs> <laughs> so against new people, but I didn't. I didn't take their money. So, well, I did. I'm sure you probably, copies, but... you probably did, because like everybody yeah, else, you know, there's there's sometimes bills to pay, and sometimes there's a bit of grey area in terms of the honesty, <laughs> which you can sure. kind of... <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Um, but then, I mean, okay, see, since Root has... Kind of, I know that you, um, you obviously, you fought, you, um, you've got a different version of Vasta, which is the, the kind of the mysterious manner. Um... Mm-hmm. And uh, that was actually the middle of the year that you kind of you kind of funded that, um, and that's going through. What, what what where are you in terms of kind of like fulfillment and printing and things like that with that at the moment? Is that is that out there? Can people pick that up anywhere? Uh, so we are sending the files to the factory on December eighteenth. Wow. Uh, so you're interrupting my time finishing it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> I think even Nick laughed at that. <laughs> um, so, um, but they—it's Nick and Cole's project right, right. now. They are—they uh, are wrap, wrapping it up. Um, uh, yeah, so we're, that's where we're at, and then we're going to start printing. Unfortunately, it looks like—and I haven't told the public yet—it uh, looks like we're going to have a small delay because of um, our factory said they could get it done, mm-hmm. and now we're looking at Chinese Chinese New Year's going to. Uh, stop us up for a few weeks yeah. and we'll pick up production when Chinese New Year's over which is fine it actually gives us a little bit more time um, because we don't have to submit the rules until like the last like the last like they have the shortest timeline for printing yeah. so we can we can be working on we can continue editing and, and, and things like that even while the cardboard components are being printed so so we'll use that time yeah uh, as best as we can so, is, there, is there a massive and, uh, difference between the gameplay between the manor and the original vast the crystal cavern it is i i was very careful to design every role to play differently in the sense that how they earn the strength or the movement or whatever uh-huh. they're, they're they're trying to get i mean the paladin is still looking for grit so they're compatible yeah. he still ends up with strength so he's compatible but the way he moves is different uh-huh. and the way he earns his abilities used during the game is very different from the from the night I, and they're probably the closest um and then the skeletons don't build up strength at all. They're just individuals yeah. running around the board. And they have to distract the paladin to hit the paladin. So they have to stack up, like, surround the paladin. And then and then they become stronger for each skeleton that's surrounding the paladin. Right. So later skeletons in the turn can hit. Um, the main feature that I would say that is that it's a better... I feel like it's a better entry point for the series, unfortunately. Like, that's just how it worked out. But uh, we focused on making less abilities and making a better flow into the game yeah. so that players can learn learn it. Um, some of the roles honestly have like I would say by word count half the rules of the as the um, their their crystal caverns counterpart. Um, so the rules are quite a bit shorter in that sense, which is great because it gave us a lot more room then to like here's an illustrated way to play. You know, or like here's a here's a walkthrough yeah, of how yeah, to play yeah, the game, yeah. and so it gives you it gives us a lot more space to teach the players how to play the game. And we've learned a ton about usability since those days. And we've learned and we have someone that works just on usability. Uh, Josh here is our editor, works just on usability. 
And so we, we've learned a lot about that and how people learn how to play the game. We've, we've, we've watched uh, people learning how to play it, and, we've, and so we've learned a lot from there. So that's the primary difference, is I think it's going to be an easier point to jump into. So. Yeah, yeah. But every role does play differently. The, the manor is not trying to collapse the manor. Uh, the manor has to trace routes through its own body with its wraith piece. Oh, right. Um, and, and as it does that, it, it earns points, and when it gets to 18 points, the, the manor seals, and then the manor wins the game. So, and the uh, enchanter is very different from the thief, victory-wise. So. Is this, I mean, is the vast kind of franchise going to continue? I mean, are we going to see the kind of the vast at sea? Or would it be called a vast? Uh, <laughs> a vast. There you go, there's your, ti- there's uh, your title. <laughs> My first graphic designer was my brother-in-law, and he uh, he did make a, a cover called a, "Had a Vast" written on yeah. it, and he put an eye patch on all the characters, all the goblins, all the dragon, really? uh, the knight has an eye patch, and then he put an <laughs> eye patch on one of the crystals in the foreground. So, sorry, I just that cracks me up. Um, so he, um, um, we have I have designed a game called "Vast: The Frozen Fear," all right. uh, which is a, a, th- a third title. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, I, there's like a couple things working against it. I think um, we'll have to see how sales of Mysterious Manor went go. I, the the, Chris, the Kickstarter didn't go as well as Crystal Caverns. So, I mean, it, you know, if you compare the first campaign to Beach, it went swimmingly. And it, it's I'm not saying it was a bad campaign. It was just uh, it just didn't go as well as as uh, the the second Crystal Caverns campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there was some there was some resistance to getting a second fast title. Like people thought, well, it's going to be the same game. It's just reskinned. It's just a reskinned game. Yeah. Um, and so I think once they see reviews, they're going to realize maybe that's wrong. I think some people said it was too hard to learn, and so uh, now we're giving people an opportunity to jump back into the second. You know, like maybe some people they're going to see a review that says no, it's actually quite a bit easier to learn, and they'll jump in at that point mm-hmm. uh, so if sales pick up then um then we're definitely interested in doing a third title um i took a possession of vast in december of 2014 yeah and frankly i'm just exhausted <laughs> <laughs> i've just been working on it so much so if i do work on it again i need a solid break before i can get back to working on another vast title um yeah i uh i mean i, I turned it over this summer to cole and, and nick for development and uh and I, I had to do a lot of business development stuff in the last three or four months, and now I'm back to designing again. I'm so happy to just be like cutting a fresh trail into my own into new designs. Um, but if we do see it, what's going to have to happen too? Then is I think we're going to have to write, and I'm excited to do this work and or hire someone to do this work, as the case may be. Yeah. Um, I think I think vast the crystal caverns needs to be simplified in the way that mysterious manner is. Yeah. And then they all—they all need to be brought into the same language. They're compatible, but I think we could have done more with making. I think it's a second edition of Vast Crystal Caverns will make it, it very easy to design the Frozen Fear. Yeah. And when all three of those are on the same plane, um, and then we we kind of release a, a revised rules, and then here is the Frozen Fear set yeah. is how yeah. we approach it. So I think like summer twenty twenty even would be the soonest anyone's going to see that though. Yeah. So, yeah. Because um, you've got—I mean, obviously we. We're going to mention Root. We have to mention Root. I've already mentioned Root. I mention Root on most podcasts at the moment, Patrick. I just People like know. To say, People know it's out there. You know, I've, yeah. I, it's like every time, mm. it's like there's a little bell that goes off. 
there's like it's a drinking game out there where it's like Richard mentions Root on the We're Not Wizards podcast because I do, you know, it's 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 one of my favorites. Um, was it? People are talking about it being like almost like a little bit of a war. It's like a little bit of a war game, in terms of how the power mm-hmm. and how the how the powers work. Um, some people are saying, you know, um, some people are are really are still really really excited by it and they're playing kind of continuing to kind of play it. I myself, I'll be playing it tomorrow probably because I'll take it along the bag and it'll be the thing because everybody's played it, everybody knows how to, to to get it. When, I take it when, when kind of like, when you were developing Root and putting it together, mm-hmm. did you have an inkling of like, this is actually pretty special, this is definitely going to work, this is going to be turning some heads here? <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess so. I, we were a little bit in a crunch to get it, uh, to Kickstarter on time. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point, a part of like, I still like have a lot of zeal to play it. In fact, we've played it twice today. Um, I, so like when it was closer to completion and I was seeing the reviews and I was seeing the external play testers yeah. and some of our external play testers went crazy for yeah. it. And then I was like, we might be onto something here. I think that this is this is pretty special. Um, and like I said, with with the fatigue I've had on Vast, and I, I still love the Vast series. But the fatigue I have on Vast now, like I started designing the Root expansion when I did return back to creative work because I was just like, I'm in a new space. So I'm gonna I'm gonna like uh, I'm gonna like working here. Um, yeah, I don't know how much clue we had until until uh, it started started working its way through the um, through the end of the development track. Obviously, people were really empowered by the Kickstarter, um, and it was funny. Like we did get a lot of comments. That were like, "Well, I already have Vast, so I'm not going to buy Root." Um, it was too hard to learn, and now um, I think a few of them have eaten crow and come back and got Root <laughs> since then. So um, I know it's been like that's okay. it's been like hen's teeth <laughs> to get hold of. It was really really difficult for people to actually pick it up, and there was people saying, "When can we get it at retail?" I've seen it here. Have you seen it? Or I've seen it kind of on kind of online. So there has been. A great big, yeah, kind of, kind of pushed it. The art killed me. I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, from somebody who was, you know, grew up with like the, I got like the Richard Scarry kind of feel about it. That kind of illustration. It was very kind of sure. a beautiful, very simple, lovely kind of. There's too much dark going on in board games nowadays. If I had to look at, I mean, <laughs> if I had to look at another game where it's like different shades of grey, different shades of dark green different shades of brown i mean there's a kickstarter on the i mean it's on at the moment who's doing exceptionally well but it's like yeah. it wouldn't kill you to put some oranges some bright greens a little bit of dago pink in there i mean it wouldn't kill you to kind of brighten the place up a bit but that, that was the thing when i looked at root when i looked at the box and the artwork and the characters i was like i love this already i want to play this i just want to have this on the shelf just so i can see look at the artwork because it was kind of like kind of like really really bright was that something when you were first kind of when that was kind of like first being designed was the artwork was that already fully formed or was that something that you considered and said well let's turn the let's turn the cartooniness up in this because vast is quite cartoony but was it kind of keeping yeah. in line with the kind of the brand there so i we had a couple there are a couple things went into that um i talk a lot in a criticism like you know and i i review games mm-hmm. for myself in my own notes frequently mm-hmm. 
And I talk um, a lot in criticism and in art direction that I see what you're talking about frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, that you want to make a uh, you want to make a, a dark or morbid tone, and so you you only you know you, you depend on a smaller color palette than than most people would normally depend on yeah. to do an artistic work. Um, and I eh, don't do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I. Um, the, the one that drives me crazy, and I see this a lot on, on amateur design Kickstarter games, and I love you all. You, uh, you've done a great job, and, and you've really built up a community. But if you're making a, a... The only people that should have ever made a card look like a page in a book was Magic the Gathering. Yeah. They did it great. Yeah. And you, you, will not, you will not hit that so iconically and pitch perfectly. You, you should try something else um and and it's because basically if you're printing black text on a on a muddy brown page and on the screen it looks bright you get to the printer and it's gonna look darker than you think it's gonna look yes um so you have to be really careful about that so yeah i've always had this like strong sense that we you know we want to develop a a colorful rich colorful world uh kyle of course has contributed a lot to that he does a lot of the art direction himself and He's always been like, yeah, you, you want to use a, a lot of colors. It's funny because we are talking about doing a horror game now, and we've had a lot of discussions about this issue of how not to uh, trap it in sort of a, a, a gray or brown or red world, uh, but to make it feel like the, the characters are alive in that setting without, you know, to express the tone of fear in another way. I yeah, think a, a lovely, beautiful, that. bright, sunny-looking kind of horror game would be more <laughs> would be absolutely more unsettling than being in a than being in a kind of a, a, a horrific kind of rundown kind of house. I can't imagine anything yeah. worse worthwhile than say a horrific a horrific game in a sunny meadow <laughs> or <laughs> or near an, or near a lovely bridge. Or here we're taking a we're taking a walk halfway up a hill. Let's have a picnic. I mean that's normally I think that's what they talk about. The some of the best horror defining kind of um, moments are when you take a, like an ordinary situation and you make it kind of horrific, kind of from there. Yeah, which yeah, be, I, which would be kind I agree. Of or, un- or unsettling or unfamiliar. Yeah. Um. It's and then it, it goes on from there. Uh, you know, it's gonna be a long story, but. Um, so back when I met David, the game I was working on was this game called Giant, and mm-hmm. um, it was my own asymmetric game, and that slowly turned into just kind of an open world adventure game without a lot of asymmetry except variable player power mm-hmm. between the characters, and we were building that to be a traditional fantasy world, kind of like Titan, where like one player is a minotaur, one player is a giant, yeah, one player yeah. is some some thieves or something like that. Um, but then, like, Kyle said, I'm tired of doing traditional fantasy stuff, and if we're going to continue the Vast series, I want some other room to play. So then we started making the, the factions anthropomorphic animals. Um, and that led to... So he did he did some concept sketches for that, and when Cole and I were discussing of projects we could get done in the time we had, um, you know, we said, let's take this idea of mine and combine it with this art style, and we'll make... That's where root comes from, and that other game path is still, it's on my calendar. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm I'm excited to get back to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's so. cool. That's cool. Um, with it being some distinct factions, has that kind of left you open? I mean, you've already done a couple of expansions for root, so has this left you open to put in more expansions for root, or are you going to be quite content just to say, I need to draw a line under this and stop? 
and just leave it as a right. as a kind of a game. Is there a, a bit of a fear which you mentioned with Vast that if you keep on working on route just now, you'll eventually go? Do you know what? I if I see another rabbit, I'm going to hurt somebody. I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt somebody. <laughs> uh, I so I think we already have notes for six or seven factions. Yeah. Um, that we could we could do. I would like to do um, kind of a semi-annual or annual expansion with two or three uh, factions mm-hmm. in it each time. Um, so I I don't know if that's going to happen because I can pass it off to Cole. Yeah. Uh, we could even pass it to Nick, who is our graphic designer, who's done like we've we taught him how to game develop, and so like he could come in and be a game developer with our you know with with Cole's. Cole being kind of the czar of the series is still controlling the series yeah. itself just to make sure things are, are compatible with with that. And then we also, in fact, um, a guy from um, Brooklyn Game Labs uh, flew in to visit us. He's just walked into the studio. <laughs> um, him and like 24 other amazing people on uh, BGG have designed their own player factions. I don't All know right, if you've okay. looked in the variants page yeah. for Root. Yeah. Uh, he designed a giant snake um that is consuming the other player pieces and and digesting them and um there's a ton and i'm amazed by the creativity of it so i even if we like somehow run out of ideas we could always go back and and uh start looking at the better ones those i've played some of them because i like the game root so i've just popped you know i'll I'll print a couple of those out on the weekend and play play some of those and i've been really been enjoying other people's uh, concepts for it is is there going to be a hedgehog uh, so Marshall, my new employee, has been working on a hedgehog really um, race, which I'd like to see uh, in play. It's kind of about you have to create these hedgerows to to limit movement on the map. Yeah, and um, and then there is a player uh, a variant faction that somebody designed called the Hedgehog uh, Constellatory. What how do you pronounce that word? I'm not very good. I'm not very good at words. And um, <laughs> he. He uh, he's been working on it quite a bit because a lot of them have been kind of fire and forget. Like people just publish their yeah. their their notes and then they're like, ah, game development's actually tricky. And um, and that guy has been reposting frequently um, his his notes. So they have kind of a they get points for kind of policing the map and keeping people from fighting, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a fun concept. So. Have you thought about uh, kind of changing the map then, introducing actually? Because I mean, factions are one thing. But actually introducing yeah. kind of different environmental because I mean you've done I mean let's face it vast you know vast was about the environment you know whether it was sure. the manor or the crystal caverns um, is that one of the things that you're thinking about as for root as well is maybe actually let's take us out of the woods and take us into somewhere else slightly different yeah. has an effect on it yeah absolutely so I have actually have two prototype maps uh, that I play with in the studio and. Um, and I think they'll be part of the expansion Kickstarter in some way. It'd probably just be the the premium thing you get if you back the project. Mm-hmm. And uh, so one side of the map is a uh, kind of a mountain pass area. All right. Um, and there are tunnels. There are blocked like valleys and tunnels on the map, and then you can pay to clear them and open up additional pathways. Otherwise, the number of pathways is very tight mm-hmm. and makes the winter map look roomy. Um, and then the other map is um, just a giant like lakeside area, and the players building the clearings around the lake. Um, and and those are both available on the uh, drive right now. 
All right. Um, you can go down, download and play those right now. It's probably the like sanest thing to do because the crows and the moles are still pretty alpha. But the maps, you know, it's it's not that hard to play test. Yeah, with those. Yeah, <clears throat> and as again, as I guess, it's another thing as you bring in more expansions, it's kind of making mm-hmm. sure that they kind of interact with each other appropriately. Yeah, and it doesn't yeah. Make the, kind of the game, the game kind of broken you. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I, it's one of its strengths because of the simplicity of going for thirty points. If you can think of a new way to score points, mm-hmm. then then you can you can have the core of a faction. And as well as since movement and combat are the same between all the factions, um, there's a lot of like ability. It's really easy to get the factions to play well together. But at the same time, the rule overhead isn't too isn't impossible because if you take a faction out of the game, you just don't have to worry about those rules. Mm-hmm. You know, like once alliance is out of the game, you don't need to know what a sympathy stack is, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever, mm-hmm. or you don't need to know what a decree is if the birds aren't in play. So. So at the at the same time you keep it kind of light. Is uh, is the vagabond still your favorite player? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the vagabond a lot. Because <laughs> you got uh, a, you got the extra vagabond as well, so you can have them facing off against each other in the in the expansion. So you can have two of the little monkey, the, uh, two of the little guys. Yeah, going yeah, around or three, because actually in in Riverfolk there is another vagabond. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. Um, I'm conscious of time. I'm conscious somebody's rocked up to visit <laughs> um, you're fine in terms of um, going forward is it going to be asymmetrical going going forward you ever sat down and said you know what? I just want to make a straight no yeah every day game. yeah yeah uh, yeah I, I'm actually I think I'm going to take a break from asymmetry because of the uh, the extreme playtesting overload which is interesting because a lot of people have been like you're the only one carrying that torch. Like you got to keep, you got to keep carrying it. Yeah. Uh, I think if I go back to work on path, it will be more variable player power. Mm-hmm. It may not even be variable player power. And um, it, I, I am working on a dungeon crawler right now, um, which will be asymmetric in the way this, like your character will start to become asymmetric as the story unfolds, but mm-hmm. you're going to start out with very similar characters to each other. Um, and I don't know which one's going to win. Um, Basically, I'm bringing them both in for a talent show in January to the staff, and I'm saying, which one of these do you want to work on next? <laughs> you and, can have a uh, public vote. <laughs> yeah. And we'll, oh, boy. That's exciting. And then, it'll be like, the fast three will win or something like that. It could be. Um, it could be like, do we kill Robin, like in Death of the Family? <laughs> nice. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, and then Cole, Cole's studio project right now is still pretty easy. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. Okay. What do you? I mean, how do you relax when you're not? <laughs> do you relax? Uh, is relax? It was is relax something you put on your Christmas list? Relax. Uh, yeah, it's because I keep getting Kickstarter games in the mail, and I'm like, I just want to play Root. This is neat and all, but uh, I love I love your other designers, but I just want to play Root. Um, yeah, it's 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 and it's also funny because I was talking to my business management consultant, and I was uh, he presented a project to me that I should probably complete this year mm-hmm. for business development, and I was like, "Oh, I thought this would be the year I could work, you know, less than three thousand hours." Um, yeah. and he's like, "No, you got one more. You got to do one more hour, one more year of three thousand hours." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, I won't say it." Um, so I mean, relaxing is what I do. Relax is I, I get back to work. Um, <laughs> But I, I do play a lot of video games. Um, I try and stay up on um, 
on what's going on in video games also just just you know like it's fun and it, it creates you know I, I think i get to see new concepts or i get to say see some mechanics playing out in real time um if it's a very physical mechanical game like you know just driving a car or something yeah. like that it also gives my brain a little bit of time to like i'll just kind of percolate yeah and so all I, sudden yeah, I'll like yeah. yeah i'll come out in two or three hours and be like oh i gotta i gotta design this or, or whatever so i still do quite a quite a bit of that um, I do role play on the weekends. I just got through a four-year-long 13th Age campaign. Wow! Uh, on uh, on the, I was playing on Saturday nights, um, and uh, now we're trying to cast around, trying to figure out what to do next. But um, so I, I still do that. I have a family, so I'm pretty busy there too. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. Okay, I got one last question. One yeah, last. Yeah. There's a finger. One last question. Okay. Uh-huh. So Santa sends you a message and says, Patrick, you have been an exceptionally good boy. Oh, he says, I'm going, to get a beep, give you a, <laughs> I'm going to give you a piece of paper. And on that piece of paper, you can write down three board games that you would like to own. To own? You can own and anything you want. It can be first edition, second editions, you know, anything you would like. And I will make sure that on Christmas Day, when you go downstairs in your pajamas... Sitting under the tree, wrapped beautifully for you, next to a cookie that's been eaten and a bit of carrot that's been nibbled away, will be these three <laughs> fabulous wrapped parcels with little uh-huh. lovely gift tags on the side saying, just for Patrick. What would you like Santa to bring you this year? Well, what I'd say to Santa is I want the time to play it. Um... <laughs> well, that's that. You get that. <laughs> okay good uh so and let me also preface this with i own a unpunched copy of magic realm and dune um <laughs> and your addresses <laughs> yeah yeah please don't rob me i don't even they're not worth that much are they uh so i'm excited to get zombicide invader right um, which is uh which is still in production i think i hope because i i ordered one um uh, I like the Zombicide series as much as I like deep and interesting games. I also just like <laughs> shutting my brain off and blowing zombies <laughs> away for a couple hours. Um, as, as much as I like that, man. What else? I would like to play. I haven't played Fields of Arla yet. I'd like to play that. Okay. Um, it looks it looks really pretty, and I like the I like the just pleasant industrial theme or the, the you know the agrarian industrial theme. Um, and I, I haven't I haven't played a UA game in forever. I haven't played a Euro in forever. Um, Nick, what do I want to play badly? <laughs> Nick, what do I want to play? What to, do I talk about playing? You're not allowed to go for help. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go for it. That's a sad little man I am. Um, I think I'd, I'd also... Um, I would like to try Betrayal Legacy. Um, okay. That looks. I, I like the Betrayal series quite a bit. Yeah. And uh, I'm getting I'm getting devil horns, so I think I didn't make the right choice here. Um, and uh, so I like betrayal legacy. Uh, I like betrayal quite a bit, um, even though it's like a sim- again just kind of a, a ah, all right some some funny things happen and then we died, um, <laughs> just like in on the side. Um, so I, I'm, I'm interested to see how um, how the uh, how those all, all all those pieces fit together. I'm kind of bad. I you know like I can write off all my game purchases. So if I do want a game, I just yeah I just go buy it. Yeah, I mean it's um, and I haven't wanted much lately, so I've been kind of slowing down. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you been slowing down? Can you picking up on Kickstarter as well? 
Yeah, I am selling down on Kickstarter. I, I primarily, I back a lot of things because, like, my friends, you know, like, I'm friends with John Gilmore now. Yeah, yeah. And so I'll back all the Pandasaurus and stuff. Actually, I don't think I backed Phobia. Um, but, like, his Dinosaur Island, you yeah, know, I backed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because I, I want him to do, succeed. And I like Dinosaur Island. Um, and so, like, that's sort of, like, so when I'm in the middle of a campaign, I'll just back like crazy. And since I haven't been in a campaign in a while, I've, I've kind of slowed down my backing. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, I showed you in the, in the tour of my studio, we have two Calaxes near my desk that are just yeah. for me. And so, and, and I already have like 400 games at home. So I think, <laughs> yeah, I could probably slow down. So I just got rid of 40. I managed. And then after I got rid of 40, I felt really liberated. And I was like, I think I could do another 40, but I haven't done it yet. So, yeah. So it sounds like you got plenty going on. You got plenty mm-hmm. coming up. If people want to keep an eye on you guys and where you exist on the internet webs, where can we find yeah. you, sir? So I would, uh, it, it's funny because people are like, oh, I'll follow you on Facebook or I'll go to your website or I'll go to BTG. BTG is really good. I will post anything I'm working on. Yeah. As soon as I have two ideas rammed together, I'll, I'll go to BTG and put it on BTG. Uh, so yeah. you can follow me on there uh, if you subscribe okay. to me and follow me as a as a contributor. I also, if I write anything original, I will put on Twitter. I, Twitter is my main like my main squeeze. We, mm-hmm. I, I like I like brevity and I like um, as you can tell by how I talk. Um, I like I just like the brevity of Twitter and I like the like I can just be like here here's a link yeah. come come see what I'm working on or whatever. Um, and so I announce everything new on Twitter really quickly. So. Okay. Okay. And that's at Leader Games um, for that, and uh, and of course our website's fine. So awesome. Okay, well what we'll do is awesome. we'll make, we shall make sure that we put all of the links in the show notes so that we've got notes to share. Yeah, yeah, I'll send those over to you. Thank you very much. Um, thank you very very much for coming on. I really yeah, really no appreciate your time. It's um it's it's actually interesting because um yeah um Root is very very good fun, and I've got vast. It's it's over there. And it's, I can see it. You can't. It's behind a cupboard door. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> but it's kind of waiting. You know, it's kind of waiting to, to, to get played. Uh, it was intimidating because I opened up the instruction booklet and I went, ah. But now yeah. I've watched a couple of playthrough videos and I've been like, yeah, I can do this. I can. Play to you, man. It's wonderful. I can do this. <laughs> I can do this. Um, if you want to keep an eye on what we are up to, then go to the internet webs, search in the Googles for We Are Not Wizards. You'll find us on Twitter. You'll find us on Facebook. You will find us on Instagram. You will find us on YouTube. You will find us on Tumblr, RIP Tumblr. Um, you will find this on our website, which is wearenotwizards.com. You will find this on our blog, which is wearenotwizards.blogspot.com. Um You'll find us in all the normal podcast catchers out there, like your Stitchers and Speakers and Acasts and Podknife and obviously on Podbean as well, who host our lovely podcast. If you like what you've listened to today, then please consider going to Apple Podcasts and dropping us a subscription. If you like us even more, please give us a rating or a review. Um, If you are going to give us a rating or a review, remember, don't give us 10 stars because it makes us big-headed. But don't give us one star because it makes us cry. Give us five stars because it's in the middle and it's average. And we're just a little bit average. But the person who's not been average today is the rather wonderful, the rather fantastic. He's the he's the he's he's the vagabond with the tactics of the hour. He's 
he's a leader of men. Up. He's a leader of men and a leader by name. It's Patrick Leader by Lead from Leader Games. Thank you very, very much again for coming on. There's only two You're more very thing- welcome. <laughs> There's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Patrick? No, definitely not. Definitely <clears throat> not. Absolutely not. You can't wear it. You can't wear a wand and be making all these lovely things to give to people, to give them cards. Um, and the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Patrick. Say goodbye, Patrick. Goodbye. And it's goodbye Patrick. from... Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Every single time. It's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Roll sixes. And um, just, if you've not played Root, get Root. If you've not played Vast, get Vast. I mean, it's not difficult you know that's the thing there's no other special magical message remember stay safe roll6s.com but play them because they're lovely and they're really really good fun but until the next time goodbye goodbye <laughs>